Okay, so the idea is to create a series of articles that discuss why ESG is important in the world. You'll say, that's happened already. That's a lot of newsletters, a lot of existing mega media corporations covering the topic. Uh, but this is not going to be like that. Let's discuss the topic of careers in ESG. It's generally a new concept and all things considered, it's exciting at first sight. ESG talks about big corporations tackling environmental and social and governance topics at big scale. It's multidisciplinary and oftentimes seems challenging enough where someone with a bachelor's degree can find themselves in and figure it out as they go, but also they have the essential and foundational skills to navigate conversations surrounding those topics, of course, with the right credentials. That's at first sight. That's the exciting part. But uh, the reality of ESG is that, yes, it's maybe 20% of it, but the reality of it is a more um, nuanced version of corporate behavior that questions the validity of ESG. And for that, kind of group-minded behavior that challenges, challenges ESG rightfully to an extent, what is needed is a true deep dive in the history of ESG. And I think instead of young graduates believing that they will enter and they will be heard on what the E and S topics are that a company should uh, invest in or integrate in its corporation or its philanthropy. They should think about where this term came from. Uh, and where this term came from is not the United States per se, not the corporate space. It's a combination of the private sector in the early 2000s, the United Nations um, Committee, but I'm not going to go into that right now. What I want to motivate young graduates to think about is really take a look at the birth of ESG before they consider their journey because at times it seems like the perfect career. It's something that is impactful. I mean, we talk about environmental and social issues for the biggest corporations. I mean, it's it's already laid out for companies, for, for graduates to think about what they want to do. They don't have to change, make a change from within. They think that ESG has already lay down a, a road for them to just walk on and have the conversation. They don't have to go through any 
bureaucratic lines or um, spend a lot of years in a corporation to have that level of influence, it's already laid down for them. And to an extent it is, but it's important to know its history. And it's important to know its history because if you learn the history, you understand the limitation of, of, of limitations of ESG. And once you understand the limitations of ESG, then you really understand what ESG is used by, meaning by which corporations and by whom. And you understand what things you can't do within ESG, which is sometimes literally deploy efforts towards helping social and environmental causes. Uh, many ways that that is the idea of ESG, deploying capital or creating processes that take into consideration E and S factors. But many times those corporations are trying to avoid doing the most harm in order to protect their um, uh, businesses, uh, which in an existing regime that allows for that kind of analysis and protectionist behavior is okay. The really impactful thing that graduates really want to get behind is the idea of companies having some sort of power to um, avoid doing harm and instead of avoiding doing harm which they the assumption is that ESG helps do you also create uh, positive uh, environmental and social benefits in line with um, the latest climate science and some companies do this some companies are excellent at deploying funds that are thematic in their investment views and they deploy natural uh, based solutions or nature based solutions as it's called in mitigating climate um, uh, effects but the majority of corp corporations are taking ESG reflexively to mean something in the realm of corporate social responsibility, CSR, or philanthropic efforts, or as a way to change their branding, which is not a bad thing in and of itself, but in a way to for them to change their branding and change their audience so they can brand better, so they can improve their product line, which again, it's just, are you really helping the environment or are you just helping yourself identify new customers that are willing to buy, consume your product more repetitively so you can become a growing, fantastic $1 billion company if you're at the startup stage. But if you're existing corporate, what will help you transition to identify new markets? That's the third idea. The fourth way to enter ESG by way of corporations is... Well, are we actually doing things that are harming the environment and social causes? And first of all, that's in and of itself, that's a siloed thinking. Uh, people thinking, okay, environmental and social concerns, like what are they? There's a huge factor there of, of governance that in fact influences social and environmental outcomes and causes. That's the 
original idea of ESG to use governance-based factors of an institution to understand how it affects social and environmental causes and also identify opportunities when there is huge risk identification, mitigation, and opportunity creation. Um, I had a lot of Asians there, but truly, I, I didn't, I'm not trying to sell anything. That's the original idea. Use governance to understand the holistic view of social and environmental outcomes uh, that could pertain after this exercise, long-term exercise that corporations can uh, take in their journeys. And corporations, the, that, that's the fourth way that cor some corporations are saying, okay, maybe ESG strategy is a legitimate thing. And if we do a uh, health assessment, kind of like going to the doctor and, okay, doctor, let me know what's happening, right? Like the doctors and the, the medical community has identified this fantastic a machine that if you're under it'll tell you about all of your risks and opportunities as a patient about what's to come in the livelihood of your of yourself and your kids and their grandkids and pretty much the sustenance of your bloodline let's call it and that's kind of what ESG promised to do in the beginning it's if you embark on this journey that you can consistently use throughout your entire life assuming that environmental and social considerations are rapidly changing not that economic um, considerations are not changing right or political considerations are not changing but the impacts of the world are generally seen through an environmental or, or social sense and social senses generally can include economic or political ones whereas environmental ones are pretty um uh pretty straightforward and objective and they're measurable by scientific institutions that uh, have integrity and the science to back but generally uh, environmental considerations and social considerations are those that we usually learn about are alarmed by um, act on we we donate based on social considerations or environmental considerations as individuals if we walk down the street and we see someone approaching us or we just see someone that our heart goes out to. It's these two considerations, not saying that economic considerations are undervalued because truly if, if you really look at investment analysis and a lot of corporations... Um, uh, or even not corporations, but small project developers that focus on carbon credits, for example, uh, economic opportunities are one of the main social drivers of impact creation by way of women having an additional job or additional income to allocate in their household and make their houses more efficient and their kids go to school, including their daughter, which means their daughter goes to... Um, school instead of going to pick up the water from the river every day i'm watering this down and this is a small example on a larger scale of me trying to conceptualize trying to formulate a con concept um, a concept of how social and environmental considerations are the two drivers that people ought to care about in order to understand how to sustain themselves. People, I'm saying people, not just institutions. 
because ESG was born out of a consideration of development and how can development occur in emerging markets and developing nations in the launch of the early 2000s era. So early 2000s, what, there was this report, Who Cares Wins report, but before that there were two legal reports talking about the S, E, and the G. At the time ESG was called SEG instead of ESG. Uh, thank God it was rebranded. Uh, so S, E, G were considerations that were laid out in reports in 2002, but of course they were thought about way before that um in the united nations and globally in institutions and informally and less structurally less less in a less organized way but we tend to be extremely attracted to creating structures and organizations and logical creations as humans that help us linearly communicate information so as to drive action and 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 wake people up and of course sign policy and integrate it into more global thinking. So ESG was created. So a lot of corporates are, that's the fourth way that corporates are using it. <coughs> I think there are a couple more that I'm missing. I definitely am. Um, and they are covered by academics, um, including someone I'll, I'll post after this podcast recording or whatever this is. But there are a lot of ways that ESG has been adapted and and graduates are completely blinded, I'll say, um, and re given like their their hand, right? And they're blinded on one hand, like blindfolded almost, and then they're just giving both hands and their whole body and like saying, okay, give me ESG, I'll do whatever you want, thinking they'll go into impact. And then they're kind of misled and... Um, misunderstood um, when they get in front of those interviews or God forbid those actual jobs so the urge to join an ESG focused organization has never been higher and rightfully so I'm very happy that ha that has happened um, the issue is that you when students and graduates do not align themselves with the right organization that is attempting to um, uh, do the same things that they think in their minds that that will happen. So an example is that a corporation may vouch for ESG reporting internally uh, and may create an annual report that focuses on ES and G topics when in reality what they should be doing is understanding their internal operations, third-party suppliers and existing suppliers uh, or their own operation of their own risks and opportunities. But instead they, they celebrate um, diversity efforts and uh, community impact, which really reminds of corporate social responsibility efforts. 
I think CSR reports should continue to be a thing, and I think ESG reporting should be a separate thing. ESG, and the other thing is they could focus on three or four issues of their ESG-ness, meaning the board level composition of women versus men and how much money they gave to which organization based on a local context, which again, this is great, but it should be in the CSR report. And then they don't understand their um, scope one, two, and three emissions. They don't understand what geographical footprint they have. And most importantly, from that geographical footprint, which ones are at most risk of um, um, abnormal natural disasters or abnormal social disruptions. Those things are not accounted for. It costs a lot of money to get this thing. That's a whole nother discussion, but that's an example of an organization just focusing on two or three things that it wishes to highlight for its own sake in case that at the random idea a big a big time acquisition happens or a big time opportunity happens for them to get an influx of money or a big time executive wants to join asks about their ESGness and they're like oh yeah we have this report and here it is it's extremely beautiful it's extremely positivist it only focuses on the things that are they're doing great and they're it's not focusing on the things that they're doing wrong so all of this is viewed by graduates and people alike. And again, this episode may appeal to others. This focuses on a very narrow way of thinking about how that company can sustain itself and how can it help the environment that it operates in sustain that too. So that's another way that corporations... Um, choose to interpret ESG. A lot of people in the ESG, let's call it, I'm not going to call in ESG world. That's a mis misnomer. It's the ESG world doesn't exist. Okay, the ESG is world is not a cult. The ESG world is not some people that are trying to figure out like accounting in a, a, a corporation. ESG professionals are attempting to A, be teachers uh, of lessons and, again, the history of ESG. They're attempting to learn a lot of things very quickly and find the highest, most uh, impactful organizations and trusted institutions to lead by. And, of course, do their regular jobs, which may be like data analysis for some or research for others or integration and communications for others or partnership for others or influence and governance structure for others. So a lot of people in, in, in thinking about ESG focus on semantics and we focus so much on what ESG is or if it's not impactful or if ESG has a role to play in investment analysis and if it does to what extent it should be weighted like should there be a, a focused preference on ESG-ness for investment or should we also look at financial performance or you know should we really focus on ESG-based investment funds if the ESG investment funds are tracking the existing 
indices, 99% or 95% or whatever percent that is, meaning they question whether ESG actually creates an additional impact. And additionality is a topic of huge importance in the credits markets, carbon credits markets, because the idea is should their investment product not existed prior to that, I'm sorry, should the investment product not have existed, would there be that additional capital flow, meaning would there be that additional um, impact? So a lot of people in ESG focus on semantics, and just like every other thing, they should. But the level of diversion that has happened by politicizing ESG, over-focusing on semantics, bashing ESG ratings is not productive. I think ESG ratings are fantastic for beginning to have that conversations about that conversation about what an ESG profile of a company should look like, but I think the ultimate decision of investors should be extremely uh, focused on the capabilities of the investment team, the ESG professionals, if that's one and the same, that's great, but ESG ratings is only a part of the conversation. I think everything has a role to play, right? I think ESG semantics has a role to play. Ratings has a role to play. Bashing investment funds has a role to play. ESG regulation, whether in, in Asia, in Europe, in Middle East, in North America, um, and South America has a role to play. Green bonds versus sustainable linked bonds has a role to play everything has a role to play in advancing the conversation forwards but what we are doing is diverting ourselves in the things that need to be done and that is urgent climate act, climate action by way of deploying financial additional capital that is needed to reimagine our economies i'm using that term extremely loose economies because it's not just the economies that we need um, reimagining it is also our ways of thinking about uh, what something is of value and what something should be seen as the right thing to use in a changing environment when food is short and short in supply and if it is in supply and it is abundant then what it is um, feeding us but that's again another conversation esg very exciting career very interesting to a lot of grads that have spent four years studying about their own specialties um, but they don't know how they can best help themselves. And that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to be a lending hand and answer these questions that I had uh, when I was 20 or 21. I'm not that much older, I'm 26, nearing 27, but I've had such diverse experience by working as a consultant, working a short stint in a PR agency and um, working in an investment bank on the research side of things that also worked with salespeople and traders and executive committee meetings. Um, and of course, 
um, green bonds and and other kind of financial instruments linked to ESG, that it's been such a diverse and holistic experience. And I've met so many professionals that uh, they want to do well that I think need some fast forwarding to get up to speed with what's happening. Um, I think generally people want to do well. They want to help. They, they want to put their skills into use, uh, into the most use possible. I think there's a huge utilitarian ambition driving the world towards wanting to do as much as possible by deploying my skills that I've learned for four years, six years, eight years, post-PhD years, whatever that is, into helping the environment. But the thing is, there is, I think, a true misallocation of of skills, ambitions, and perception of entering ESG. And then there's the, not reality, but there's the confusion and confusing reality of ESG that is supplying these jobs to ambitious and very skilled people that that when clashed together or when there's matched together, um, there's a delay in language, there's a delay in expectation, there's a delay in matching skills to what's needed, there's a delay in deploying actual impact, there's a delay in additionality, there's a delay in figuring out how to actually navigate themselves in this new role or how to find the next startup or the next business or the next corporate or the next nonprofit excuse me in in which location in the world the other thing is it's oh it's remote now i can do any job great like let me open up my scope a little bigger so there's all of these things that are happening that new grads and just generally the talent community is struggling with and i hope this helps some people figure out that they are extremely skillful but they are so lucky to be in this position because the word ESG has operationalized what was needed this whole time. And what was needed this whole time was something that was practical for corporations, practical for graduates to learn, practical for subject matter experts, uh, practical for uh, talent agencies and practical for gradu graduate schools and undergraduate schools and practical for uh, a changing environment. Now, it is up to us, and by us I mean industry professionals, to really drive ambition within ESG. We shouldn't waste this opportunity. Uh, most of all, and Tim Mohan, I'm sorry if I'm butchering the name, but he's a great th um, thinker about sustainability in ESG. And he says that we've forgotten to focus on what the important thing is. And that important thing is, uh, is to focus on respecting the people and the planet that exist uh, around us. 
that's how we should drive our thinking. That's how we should drive our considerations. Not just when we are tackling ESG head on, like what the hell it is or what considerations I should think about, but also how am I going to work with this person that may be completely different than me, that may have a more logical brain or may be thinking gung-ho on impact and maximizing carbon emission reductions or uh, reduced water um, leakage from certain operations or using as as much as fresh water uh, as possible in an efficient manner uh, or thinking with someone who is a industry expert on nuclear energy let's say and they're focusing on the case of deploying more capital in nuclear how people work with other people to tackle ESG and they have to be on the same page some people think ESG is like dropping millions and millions of dollars on excellently um, worded publications and ESG can fall in the corporate and social responsibility realm if we're talking about the governance reporting aspects of how a board is approaching its corporate social responsibility right that could fall under governance uh, but again that's another conversation but others are thinking about ESG in terms of like maximizing as much money as we have by like stretching our dollar and that's when they figure out like okay carbon credits might be the case because there's these standards that focus on vetting and doing due diligence on these excellent gold uh, excellent, excellent projects that help um, the poorest of the poor so I think what I hope to do is bring you along with me, get you up to speed, allow you to ask me questions so we can have an open discussion about where ESG should be. We know where ESG is. It's all confusing as hell. But we should be thinking about where ESG could happen. A lot of I just talked to someone recently and he said ESG is nonsense. It's not going to deploy capital. ESG is just there for show. ESG is a branding and marketing exercise. And hell, he's right. But that kind of pissed me off because I don't think that's where ESG should be. ESG should be at the center of creating great risk management practices for corporations to understand where they are most vulnerable to and this is not an or this is an and and understand what they can do about it so as to move that direction for their businesses the third thing that has not been part of the conversation sometimes it's in the realm of double materiality and this is extremely up for grabs is how those businesses are affecting the world directly through their operations if they know that they are negatively affecting their operations by harming a certain part of the environment or the social environment, meaning this, the people that are affected by their operations for the next two to three years, then hell, that's not sustainable for them. That's not good. You can say, oh, they can find another place in the world or another, they can f hire people. That's costly and that takes a lot of time for them. So 
I really want ESG to move in the direction. I still believe in the original ideas that were put forth by the report. And I revisit it frequently because I'm, I'm sometimes I get lost and I'm like, what the hell is the point of all this? Like, where did it come from? And I, I find myself revisiting the report very frequently. It's to identify risks and opportunities in the globally changing world, especially now. The development levels have gone through the roof, but we have to take a step back and think about what is the original purpose of us inventing this new word in our vocabulary and using it every single day as if it's something that always existed. We can't assume that. We have to be head on with ourselves and say, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to show maturity. I'm going to learn all by um, all by like good intentions and hopefully understand how companies and how the world is effective through the things that corporates and how companies in the world are are changing um i'll finish for now i'll have to review some of this in script form and also the recording but please reach out with any questions and especially any feedback on where you wish to bring this because it's something I've thought about for a while. I really want to help younger uh, populations, meaning out of college or a couple of years in. Um, who knows how this is going to develop? Maybe more senior level people will read this or listen to this or more senior people will have their thoughts. Um, I don't know which direction it's going to go, but I know that there's a lot of explaining to do um, and a lot of fast forward thinking to do because it all may seem a bit um, trivial and yippity yippity yee, like let's, let's fix the world and we have something to fix the world. Um, okay, thank you.